Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Almost live from the trenches of New York City, here are your middle aged warriors, Chris Samino and Rick Summers. Hey, welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah, we're so glad you could attend, right? Who was that? Yeah, Do you remember who it was? Uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Cornell number nine. Nailed it. Very nice. Brain salad surgery. That was the name of the <laughs> I always love that title. That's, it was an awesome help. But uh, welcome yeah. to uh, Middle Age Warriors once again. And, and by the way, if you're just finding us today. You're late. Where have you been? Come on, people. Get with the program. We need yeah, you. Absolutely. Uh, but luckily, you can catch up if uh, after this episode, you've been so titillated to hear more. Uh, you can go to the Believe Podcast Network. And we've got uh, really some interesting interviews and many other shows back there as well. So hopefully. By the way, I'm guessing that titillated was not a word that used on WNBC TV in New York. I'm just guessing. Only when it was really cold. But anyway, uh, (laughs) so what do we got coming up on today's show? Well, um, interesting because uh, this is really right out of your, it's, it's in your radar. I mean, we're all talking about the weather forecast this weekend in New York. Uh, and depending when you're hearing this, that weather may have already passed, but it, it's supposed to be like bitter cold, right? Yeah, well, I, again, I think it's it's a little bit of the dramatization by the news media, but uh, yes, it's going to be unseasonably cold. There's this, they're calling it an Arctic blast, but Arctic air in May doesn't feel Arctic-like, but there's an unusually cold uh, bubble of air, which again is being labeled the polar vortex that's going to drop to the northeast for about a 48-hour period. There could even be a little snow in the mountains, higher elevations. It's rare uh, this late into May, but uh, again, we'll probably be in the 40s and 50s, which is below normal. We should be in the upper 60s, but the bottom line here is it's not going to last very long, and that's the good news. You know, given my uh, my background as a social worker and doing some work in psychology, I have to wonder uh, if there's a bipolar vortex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Well, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a, you know, being a polar vortex is a very fluid thing. Again, the point is, it's May. Yes, it will be rudely chilly, but it's not going to be bitterly cold. It's just very strange for this time of the year. But I have good news. I'm going to sneak in a little long-range forecast for you all. So uh, it'll get warm by the middle and end of the month, probably above. Yeah, and then it's going to be hot, and we're all going to be bitching how miserable we are, exactly. how hot it is. Isn't exactly. That and I, I always love saying as New Yorkers, we're not happy unless we're unhappy. I think that sums it up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So you had a friend who is, I still have a friend, who's a meteorologist in Miami, I believe. Yes, yeah, Steve McLaughlin. Uh, he is uh, the weekend meteorologist there and during the week also on various shows. I worked with Steve and you'll hear in the interview uh, back in the day of Early on at WNBC, he was actually an intern, uh, but uh, I've been friends with Steve for a long time, and he's developed not only his passion for meteorology, but has gotten much more heavily involved in climate change and global warming, and that's what I, you know, we really wanted to talk about and bring forward in this particular interview. Well, since we're middle-aged warriors, I'm curious to know, um, why is global warming and climate change something that is of interest to us? Well, first of all, I think, you know, climate change should be, we're all on the same planet, so it should be of interest to to all of us. I guess for middle age, you know, there there are things that we start to think about. For example, where are we going to retire to, perhaps? And, right. and 
a lot of those locations may start to see dramatic shifts in climate, which could cause dramatic shifts in uh, ocean levels or droughts or floods, which I don't know about you, but after going through a chunk of life, do you really want to have to deal with that? So it might steer us in a direction as to where we decide to live and move. It might steer us uh, into where we, the types of things we start to invest in, as opposed to taking some of our money away from investing in other things. So I think climate change will impact everyone, including us middle-aged warriors. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Does it you know, going through the whole COVID-19 thing, does the climate change become kind of pushed under the carpet? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. And uh, actually, I was watching earlier this morning, Mayor de Blasio here in New York, because there are, there are a lot of programs in place for climate change. And he's fighting for those things not to get pushed under the carpet. I mean, let's be honest, you know, the city, the state, the country is going to pay a huge economic price. Uh, the government's are going to be in deficits like they've probably never seen before on the local and state level. And so programs like that, that support, uh, you know, global warming initiatives and, and trying to limit climate change, they're, they're probably going to suffer. So I think, yeah, this, this does have an impact. It all ties together. You know, it's interesting, Chris, uh, you with your AMS background, that's American Meteorologic Society. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and your expertise on weather my expertise on weather is looking out the window and saying, oh, it's sunny. Looks good. <laughs> Not much for Let's a recoup for mine then. Okay. <laughs> but to your point, what we're going to talk about also uh, in this interview is that I think people confuse weather with climate. Weather is something that happens day to day. Climate is a collection of all of those pieces. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And it's an overall trend. There's no denying overall the planet is getting warmer. That doesn't mean, you know, a couple of days like are going to happen here in the Northeast, which are going to be much, much colder than normal. Most people will say, global warming, schmobile warming. What are you talking about? What is this? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, cumulatively, already you're going to hear Steve talk about down in Florida, the record warmth they've had, how early they've had it down in Miami. I have friends out in the Southwest saying they've been in the triple digits sooner than they've ever yeah. experienced there. So whether in your specific backyard for a couple of days being colder than normal doesn't mean that global warming doesn't exist. And that's the challenge. Yeah, it really is. It's uh, because people are like, global warming, what are you talking about? I got to turn the heat on this morning. Yeah. So, you know, it's an overall thing. It's a collective thing. It, it takes it takes time and the impacts take time. And that's just like this scenario with COVID-19. If it's not in your face, if it's not on you, there are always going to be people who deny that it really is that bad. And that's what global warming is sort of all about, too. So uh, without further ado, I guess let's get to, let's roll the audio tape, as they say. And uh, we'll, we'll rejoin you guys on the other side. I hope you enjoy the interview. All right, my special guest today on Middle Age Warriors, we're taking sort of a different route, but certainly not one that's any less controversial than how, how we're dealing with the, this whole COVID-19 experience. But he's a meteorologist friend of mine. Actually, I'm almost embarrassed to say we first met when he was an intern back in 1996 at WNBC. Uh, now with the NBC affiliate in Miami as a meteorologist down there as well. My good friend, Steve McLaughlin. Steve, thanks for taking some time to join me. How are you, bud? Chris, it is great to talk to you. So does this mean I am now officially middle-aged or am I just kind of a guest? Yeah, it was kind of funny when I'm going into this because that's why I I made the comment about you being an intern. I'm like, wow, he's a guest on the middle-aged warrior. Is he going to feel like he's (laughs) middle-aged? That's a broad definition, my friend, but I don't don't view you that way. I try to view me... Clearly, I'm well embedded in middle age. 
Well, it's fair. It's fair to say that we were both actually hired the same day. You were hired to be a well-paid on-air meteorologist. I was hired to be a, a lowly intern with just a train fare for a couple of years, but that's the day we both met. And yes. then after the blizzard of 96 is when we started actually working together. And, and oh, what an intern you were. But, and, I, and, I, you know, and I'll say this publicly that uh, a lot of interns came through and a lot of talented and, and very, very bright, smart meteorologists, young meteorologists came through. But I always said with you, that I felt for you, you had putting a baseball term into, into play here a little bit, you know, you had all the tools basically to do exactly what you're doing now. Uh, at that young age, I could see that you had all the tools and you've certainly honed them over the years. And so I'm very proud of having been there at the beginning, actually to have seen that. Hey, I was at your, uh, your college graduation for crying out loud, right? <laughs> you were Cook College, Cook college. 1998. Okay. Rutgers University. Yeah, you were there. Grandma was there. Mom was there. Right. Uh, they love you to death, obviously. They're not around anymore, but they oh. were thrilled that you came. And yeah, you were. You're my, you know, I know we joke around a lot that I have a few different quote unquote mentors, but in the end, you are the one that really taught me everything I know about the TV side of things, how to be on TV, how to take a forecast and make it so that an average viewer can understand it and relate to you. So that's, you know, everything you taught me. Well, thank you. I, I do appreciate that. I'm sure you learned uh, and honed your own skills along the way, too. But that being said, uh, that's the topic I want to bring up today. And we're talking about, again, let's, let's, let me preface with this. Uh, do you refer to what has been going on, what's being discussed, obviously, in, in the weather world, climate change or global warming? Or do you call both of these sort of the same thing? Or do you differentiate? Among scientists, we use both because in reality, the world is getting hotter. We have irrefutable proof of that. But to the public, we try to say climate change, and we've actually kind of evolved to climate crisis because just because the world is warmer doesn't mean that everyone has warmer temperatures. And when you make that connection, it's easy for people who say climate change isn't real to say, wait a minute, it's not hotter where I am. And we just had a snowstorm in April. Right. How can climate change be real if it's global warming? But it's the world getting hotter that's leading to different types of climate. Drought, flooding, hotter than normal, colder than normal, extremes, stronger hurricanes. It's all climate change. So global warming kind of boxes you in too much. Okay. So let's differentiate also weather versus climate in terms of, you know, because just what you were saying, I'll put myself back in a layperson position, having been a meteorologist for 30 years. But this April here in New York was horrible. It was cloudy, it was cool, it was chilly. We even had snow flurries in the middle of April. And I'm thinking, oh, global warming? Come on, how could that possibly be? That was the weather and the daily weather day to day going on. But what about the climate? What's the difference? Yeah, so, you know, once we always said there's a difference between weather and climate and weather is the day to day. But when you start looking at the individual weather days and start adding them up long term, that does become climate. I mean, you know, because we talked about it this weekend, that while you guys were having that weird April up north, Miami had the hottest April it's ever seen in the history of keeping records. That goes back to the 1800s. And I would bet the numbers that we saw were so shocking, you could probably go back a lot longer than that, too. Right. So for us, yes, any one record is a weather day-to-day -day record. But when you start looking at the entire month and then you look at the entire year, I mean, Miami just had its hottest year on record last year, 2019, tying 2017 and 2015. You know, this is no joke. The world is about to have its hottest year on record. 
Yeah, it's not it's not a randomness where this is one particular uh, year that was warmer or the warmest, but yet the three or four prior were average. I mean, we're seeing consistently uh, within the last two decades, warm weather records are being broken everywhere. And I, and I guess in essence, it's sort of, you know, weather, day-to-day weather is like the pieces of a puzzle. Climate is the final picture. So, you know, you could grab a piece of a puzzle and you see a flower on it and go, oh, this must be a really nice puzzle. Before you know it, you look at it, it's basically a gloom and doom puzzle, but in a couple of corners, it had a flower sprouting out of a cave or something. So that's sort of where we are. And I think people do get, you know, led in the wrong direction in terms of just looking at a day-to-day weather. Let me ask you this, though. In, in getting to where you are today and how you feel about this and your, and your perception of, of the facts and your interpretation of them, was that a process? Were you skeptical at first? Just the fact, even let's go just to the weather itself and the climate. Were you skeptical at first about the, the concept of global warming and how, how unique it was? I was not. Uh, I remember the first time I had ever heard the term global warming before climate change was ever a term was seventh grade. I took this environmental science class and the predictions were crazy at the time. So if you're asking, was I skeptical, maybe going into that class? Yes. But when I left that class, it opened up my eyes. But the things that I saw as a professional meteorologist, I didn't see until a few years later. As soon as I started working in television, and especially when I moved to Dallas, Texas, because I worked at NBC there for six years, I started seeing all the things I was told about in seventh grade. And I was like, wow, this is real. Now, back then, if I had any skepticism, it was how do I talk about this on the air without losing my job? I was skeptical about keeping my job and talking about these things. Sure. But uh, no, uh, you know, the science ha- has been overwhelming for the last 20 years. And every day I'm blown away. So I don't think I ever had any doubt. It was just about how to broadcast it. So when somebody, and I, you know, one of the things that I always found a little unnerving and odd to phrase a question a certain way, as if this was a religion, people would often come up to me as a meteorologist and say, do you believe, by the way, do do you believe in global warming? It's it's not like I had to have faith in something, like it's a religion that uh, that I have to believe in because it, you know, I don't know if it really even exists, but doesn't the science spell it out? I mean, how do you deal with that type of question when somebody says that well back in the day i used to say you know evolution gravity climate change these are not things we believe in these are things we have overwhelming science about but of those three what's the one that everyone truly believes in gravity right you can Mm -hmm. see it with your own eyes evolution i'm pretty sure about it but i can't actually prove it got a lot of bones yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know climate change is a not in my backyard type thing so let me explain Mm -hmm. If you live in Miami, which is where we do more climate reporting than any other station in the country, at least in the NBC family, Mm -hmm. people, Republican, Democrat, white, black, Latino, everyone has seen climate change with their own eyes. So there is no longer down here any skepticism. You know, they know that the ocean is rising because we have floods on days where it's completely sunny outside. We know what happens when a hurricane comes in and all of a sudden the storm surge is worse than the last storm. But, you know, you go to the middle of the country, maybe people are skeptical because they haven't seen it yet with their own eyes. And I don't know how to convince them unless I show them examples from here in Miami. And I say, listen, this is what's happening here. Even if it's not happening there, I promise you this is real. Let me show you the evidence. So we just, you know, tell our stories and hope that we can convince people around the country that even if they don't see it, uh, it's real. 
But to that point in that statement, which is very simple and, and really says it all though, not in my backyard. And typically I won't necessarily say Americans feel this way, but uh, probably a large portion of the world feels this way. If it's not impact care, why should I care? Why do I, hey, look, those people decided to build their homes right along the coast. They're going underwater. I don't know. Why should I care? And that's the first thing that strikes me. And I think the other thing, really, the bigger, the bigger story beyond that is the next statement is, okay, planet's getting warmer. What's the cause? And is there anything we can do or have done? Or, you know, that's the next level of buying. And I always felt that question, do you believe in global warming, really meant do you believe we're the reason the planet's getting warmer? Yeah, I think we've evolved from maybe 10 years ago where, I don't know, maybe it was 40, 60, 50, 50 that people even quote unquote believed in climate change. And now even my hardcore conservative friends absolutely believe in climate change, but you're right. Who's the cause and how do we fix it? You know, that gets really, really complicated because again, if you're not directly affected by it, you know, who cares? So for the middle of the country, though, or out in California, you know, maybe sea level rise in Florida doesn't affect you, but a drought does mm -hmm. and uh, a flood does. And then the global economy is in turmoil. Uh, most of the wars that are being fought right now are not being fought over oil. They're being fought over water. Water is a direct correlation to climate change, either too much of it that falls too fast or not enough of it. And people don't have water, and then they're trying to flee where they live. You know, in the United States, we take water for granted, but as we learned in the last two months, sometimes the things we take for granted aren't always gonna be there. I mean, California gets its water from where? Canada? What if Southern California all of a sudden has a 10-year drought instead of a five-year drought? Or Atlanta runs out of water. I know they were in a pretty bad drought a couple of years ago, sure. and we're starting to think, what do I do next? So these things do affect you or mosquito season spreading diseases farther north mm -hmm. into you know maryland let's say from florida because the mosquito season was two weeks longer you know then all of a sudden these little tiny things start to affect you in ways you didn't even think about well i, I think so typically of, of in any case and we're living it even now through this whole you know covid 19 experience in that some people just don't believe it until it literally is on them it's in front of them, they're, it's in them, they're living it, whatever it might be. So until perhaps people start to feel it economically, agriculture gets impacted in such a way, suddenly this particular food that they love, they took for granted, they could always get, they can't. Suddenly this place they used to go on vacation doesn't even exist anymore, it's underwater. Why do we have to get, you know, and I'm just throwing this out, not so much as a question to you, but why do we have to get to that point for people to start to pay attention and figure out, well, what do we do now? And I think the what do we do now is the toughest part of this because personally, I don't think suddenly if we stop throwing fossil fuel into the air and, you know, people always go, okay, it'll go back to normal. Well, what, what was normal? I don't know. Will it slow down these dramatic shifts that are happening on the planet? Bottom line is, what do we have to lose by, by doing that though? By, and, and what does it really come down to? Money. And then that comes down to politics. And then this is where it all falls apart. So then the answer to your question is, leadership. If you have someone at the top or a group of people at the top that can convince people to buy in how important it is that changes they make won't just help them live longer and help the planet and help human beings, but also help them economically, all of a sudden you've got everything. I mean, think about the Paris Accord. That was every country, every major country in the world saying, okay, 
let's start to figure this out. The Paris Agreement by itself wasn't going to solve every problem, but it said, all right, we're in this. We're going to try to get some, some people working together and figuring out the problem. Gas mileage under the Obama administration was raised. Trump just rolled that back. So you say to yourself, well, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat, don't you want better gas mileage so that you're just not paying as much at the pump? I mean, that was an easy one to me, but some lobbyist on the other side is saying, no, we want the gas mileage to go back down. And I don't know who those people are, if it's the auto industry or the oil industry. I don't really know the answer to that question, but I know we just rolled back these incredible mileage standards that would have helped everyone. Solar, I mean, it's gonna make your electric bill cheaper. I live in a building that has solar panels and I live in Florida and the most I've ever paid for electricity per month, even in the middle of summer is $60. Now, that's because solar is, ta is taking a chunk of my money away. And that's not a, that's not a red or blue thing. That's a green thing. Right. Well, you know, and, and that, that is the thing that there's been an attachment to just logic, uh, a political stance and a political position and a political side. And yeah, I mean, wouldn't we all collectively want to get off the petroleum nipple, quite frankly? Isn't it time we try to do that? Because it is finite. It's not infinite. Oil is not infinite. Petroleum is not infinite. And, you know, at some point in time, there has to be a shift. But if you really think about the history of the world and, and even energy changes, the shifts are always painful. They're uncomfortable. Somebody suffers. Large corporations suffer, whoever. You know, it, it is uncomfortable. It's the same thing of trying to tell coal miners, you know, it's best we don't do this. But, well, they've got three, four generations and they've supported their families and lived through it, even though it's not a very healthy way to live. But that's what they know. That's all they know. And I know that's what, you know, the administration earlier was trying to get them positioned to learn other skills, to have other jobs that would, you know, keep them healthier. But I, I did find something. And this just kind of blows my mind. So bear with me, Stephen. I'm going to read a little something here. It had to do with what are the biggest myths about global warming. And this person writes, I think the biggest myth of them all is that the entire subject is a myth. I think it takes the cake for being the most audacious one in thousands of years for no better reason than it attempts to take the holy grail of science, truth and logic, and turn it into a fable. Is nothing sacred in just how much other science has been fabricated like this one? And this is the part that really kind of gets me. To be sure there is a method in the madness, I love the word madness, and that like many beliefs that are said to be literally true in our society, and there are many, which attempt to convey a more complex truth via an emotional myth. The oversimplistic story of climate change is used to motivate the average citizen to carry out the ritual, such as becoming more in tune with their environment and generous to those less fortunate, and in the process, assist developing nations to the standard of wealthier countries. Okay, is that bad? Wow, those sound like two wonderful things to me, but then I'm a bleeding heart liberal. Becoming more in tune with your environment and generous to those less fortunate. That, that, that's wrong, apparently. That's a bad, you're, 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 why would we fool people into wasting their time? In this way, the self-absorbed citizen who ordinarily could not care less about others is effectively hoodwinked so that they are helping others without realizing it and to boot, they get to feel a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling of saving the planet and living collaboratively, all while maintaining their self-importance. I was like, seriously? There's somebody who, and this person claims to be a, a systems analyst, so this is not, you know, an uneducated person. Uh, what's remarkable about that is that when you first started reading it, uh, I, was, I felt my blood boiling. 
And then at the end, I was like, wait a minute, this guy just made my argument for me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it is amazing that it is that simple, that climate change is about helping every human being live longer on the planet and keeping the planet healthier. It's that simple. You know, there's no conspiracy. I promise you, nobody's paying me to do any of this climate change stuff. I, I do it because it's science. I read the, the data and I report what I can. But what is, what is there, the, the point I look at is, what is there to gain on the side of following the path of, yes, there's climate change, the planet's getting warmer, we need to do something, we need to, we need to respond in many different ways, in many different levels, the way we live, how we live, where we live. By, by taking on that challenge and saying, hey, we need to, we need to wake up and adjust, what, what does that side have to gain? Like, they, they turn this into this thing of like, well, you know, you're going you're gonna to gain something by that and ruin the economy because, and I just, what, what good would it do anybody to ruin the economy? The, li the liberals want to ruin the economy. Why? Uh, let me flip that around and, and ask the question, well, then why are there people who claim that we're making all this up? And this is, again, where I think there's a direct connection to what's going on right now with COVID and what we've seen for the last three decades with climate change. I think people look at me and other climate scientists as a snob, an elitist, a know-it-all. And who are you to tell me how to live my life? With COVID, we see it right now. Who are these scientists? Who is this Anthony Fauci that's going to go on after President Trump and correct him? You're not going to tell me how to live my life because you're a snob. And that's why... I don't believe in your science, this thing you've been putting your whole life into. Why would I believe in that? Why am I going to let you tell me how to live my life? And maybe that's a skeptical and simplistic look, but I think it's that simple. People don't want to be told by people like me that they're doing something that's hurting others. And by the way, I am too. We're all, all human beings are. I drive a car. So I'm, you know, I'm also adding to the to the, um, the CO2 and the methane in the air. Uh, I, have a, I have a 401k. I want nothing more than the economy to keep growing. So I have a nice savings when I retire, you know, but I, don't, I think people don't want to hear from me. Certain people don't want to hear from me. So who should be the voice then? Who needs to be the voice to, to convince people? I mean, to that end, you're telling me basically that it's sort of the fingers in the ear, la, 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 make him stop. Because I don't, what, I don't trust this guy in particular. He, he has no right to tell me what to do. How, how do you, how is it positioned? I didn't want to, I was going to say, how, how do you sell it? Because selling sounds like you're trying to sell something. Now you're a salesman. And, we, and, and people on this side should not have to feel like they're salespeople. They're just telling the truth and the reality of what's happening. But how do you do that? How do we make it less of a political football? How do we make it part of the belief system of humanity? How do we make it understood that way is the challenge. Chris, I don't know. I, we're at this time where I don't know how to fix it. I know at NBC Miami, I have an audience. They want to learn about climate change. And I even convinced some people who used to be skeptics of the truth. But there's also an audience I'm never going to be able to talk to. I imagine there's some Republican out there who's very, very, very pragmatic and liberal. I don't know who that person is, but he's the type of person who can talk to people that are more conservative and convince them and say, hey, this is real. I represent you, but let me tell you the facts. Because I think a Democrat doing it turns off 
every Republican out there. You know, Chris, it's funny. I forget when it was maybe 2015 or 2014. And it was the day that President Trump or someone like Trump was guaranteed to win the next election, even though Trump wasn't even the nominee yet. I don't even know if he he had announced, but President Obama was at some type of factory and he told the crowd, these are all blue collar people, your jobs are not gonna be here in 10 years. I'm here to tell you the truth about that, but I wanna find a way for you to have a better job in new industries and we'll train you. And you were talking about this a few minutes ago, Chris, but when he said that, that was game over because these people who are amazing people with amazing families who've been doing this for generations, they heard that and they're like, what? And then you have someone like Trump come along and, and reinforce it and say, what? forget about that. We're going to, we're going to save all the factories. Your jobs are going to be here forever, which was a lie as a lot of these people are now finding out. But even Obama, who I love to death as a spokesman, he turned off all these people by just being honest because they didn't want to hear that at that time. And maybe it takes a really smart, savvy Republican to talk to both sides. So everyone's listening. I I don't have the answer, Chris. No. And the the reality to that point is that no matter what, change, which at the end of it, uh, the end goal is to, is to make life better for, for more or all or many more, let's put it that way. But change and growth is painful. It's uncomfortable. And people, there will be people who will probably pay some degree of, of a price for it. So what do you do? Okay, we'll just, we'll do the status quo which is feeding a problem that continues to get bigger and bigger. So I think basically it's, it's this thing where, you know, un, until it's the proverbial straw that breaks the camel's back, that something so major and catastrophic starts to happen. The reality is there's just, there's just not, I, I don't know if there could be a lot of movement. I just wish we could take subjects and issues and things like, there, there's no problem. I don't have a problem having an open discussion, a fair discussion, questions back and forth, challenges back and forth. but because politics gets drawn into it and we have as far as i'm concerned in the 50 plus years of my life i've never seen this country so divisive before and that you have to take a side i don't take a side i look at the facts i look at the truth i look at reality and then i i make i make my call and move forward in my life that way i don't care if it was a democrat or said it or republican or said it. i really don't care if it's what i think is the right thing we should be doing that's what we do but we've lost all sensibility of that and it's sad uh, on, on a topic like this. So to sort of play into that before we wrap it up, because I found a little comical, I tell the folks who are listening that you had texted me that report you were talking about, because really the, the numbers in Miami in April, the temperature, they're shocking, they're staggering when you really put it in perspective and you did a great job with that. So tell the folks first what you did and put out there. Basically what I did was I just broke down the numbers. Um, you know, I do a lot of stories in Miami where I do editorialize, where I say, this is the story. Now, this is how it relates to climate change. But in this story, I didn't even do that. I basically just rattled off all the numbers. And Chris, this was the hottest April ever. By 1.5 degrees, it broke the record. That's, that's 1.5 if you average out. That's a lot. You ready for this? Six degrees warmer than an, a normal April. Wow. It was It was warmer than the hottest May we've ever had. It was basically... Wow like a June or September, we had for the first time in our history an 80 degree low temperature and we did it three times. We had the earliest 94, 95 and 97 degree day. This all happened in like a two week span. And we're also now the hottest 
January through April on record. And we just got word from NOAA, they're projecting a 75% chance that the earth will have its hottest year ever if the trend doesn't change. So I put all that in a story and I didn't really say anything else other than here are the numbers. And I got yeah, so, quite a response. So, so this, was on, this is on Twitter, which I, I like to call where all the angry people go, but um, sorry if there are any Twitter people listening in. Uh, they're not everybody's angry, but there's a lot of nasty stuff that gets said there. I don't know if you, you, you had, so Steve shot me the, uh, the Twitter <laughs> post and then he goes, I just look at some of the responses. And I have to tell you, I, you know, at first I, I felt bad and it hurt me a little bit at how mean some people were and then how ignorant some people were. And then it started to become laughable. So I don't know if you have a couple in front of you that I found just kind of ridiculous. Well, first of all, one person, Robert says, love your stuff on climate change. I should mention, he's my friend. I know this guy. The rest, not so nice. Let's see. This guy says, now we know what an Emmy is worth. <laughs> to be Congratulations clear. again, Steve. Yeah. Hey, thank you. Uh, by the way, that's four Emmys. And yes. <laughs> and make sure we have a bigger butthole. Four Emmys. <laughs> Let's see. It's called Weather Steve. Been going on for 4.6 billion years. Got a lot of those. A guy took a, a, a picture in Boulder, Colorado of snow everywhere and said, now do April in Boulder. Now, that comment I almost, I'm okay with. I almost want to engage with that person because it wasn't mean. It was more like, this is a guy that doesn't see it with his own eyes. He's getting snow right now. Right. So maybe he hasn't made a connection. But then uh, stop lying about global warming. We had 14 inches of snow. But sure, you're so full of crap. Fake news. Uh, this is the one that hurt the most. Let me see if I can find it. I think he told me that I need a new kitchen. And yeah, I saw that. <laughs> the kitchen is where I'm doing all these videos from because I'm working from home. Let me, let me tell you why that hurt the most. It's a brand new kitchen. It's less than three years old and it's a nice kitchen. I don't have a big space here, but I do have a lot of magic that goes on in the kitchen. And it was just so mean and off topic. Oh and uh, all my friends screen cap that for me and send it back to you. That one was like, oh. really, we're going to talk about my kitchen? Is that where this is going? That's, that's the one that suddenly broke it for me. And I just cracked up and I realized <laughs> I, I've got to take all this stuff much lighter. I hope, and I hope you do too. By the way, I would, I would have done the cabinets a little different. People can't see this right now, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, maybe a lighter wood color or maybe some type of metal finish, but, uh, but this is what, are, this is what people are doing, you know, and it's, it's just, it's kind of the time we live in, I guess. But it's sad that we cannot just get to some degree of, let's have an honest discussion with, without anger, agendas, finger pointing. I'm always willing to listen to any side as long as it doesn't become something that is more of an attack than anything else. And if it's, and it's fact, you know, you have to stick to what's real, what we know, we don't know. We don't know everything about global warming. We don't, we don't really know the impacts across the globe eventually what this is going to lead to. And, and how many years that might take. There are a lot of, there've been a lot of different projections and you know, people are going to say to you, well, we've had ice ages, it's been warm before, but, you know, yeah, there were dinosaurs too and they're gone, a meteor hit the planet. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen we, we don't expect, but when it's something that, let's say we're overdoing it. Let's say we're, we're, we're overdoing it by trying to get away from fossil fuels and, and, and using more clean air energy and, and, and keeping the water clean. Like, those are bad things. Bad things are going to happen from that. All that might happen that's bad is that some some companies and and you know those higher up will lose some green in their pockets. That's the green that they're going to lose. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's going to be more green to gain, and 
I say that I really prefer to stay away from the bully pulpit, but uh, after a while, come on, people just knock it off, listen, and, and open up a little bit. Uh, and again, I think to your point, and I, I'm proud of you continuing to, I mean, you're, so to speak, you're still pounding the pavement on this. I, you have thicker skin than me, and, and you've known me for a long time. I've, thick skin has never been Samino's trait. And so I think at times I shy away from getting involved in these discussions because I don't think I could handle remarks about my kitchen. Uh, but, I don't, but, I, but I don't, I just, you know, it's just, I, I, do I really want to engage in this kind of thing? But maybe that's what we all have to collectively do uh, until finally, you know, it, it falls upon people in, in, in their ears and they, and they finally get it. But I don't know. I think, I think we've got a long battle ahead. But I think you're doing a great job, and, and I appreciate it, what you're doing. Yeah, I, I thank you for that. Uh, it's funny. When I first got into this business, climate change was around, but it, I didn't know you could make a living at it. And I've lived in a couple conservative places, especially Texas, and I've lived in some very liberal places. NBC just happens to be a much more progressive network, and uh, the fact that they allow me to do it is amazing. We can do something. You know, this is, this is not some futile uh, plight. Mm -hmm. So, so I, this book drawdown that I, that I read a lot and I use it in a lot of my reports just says, hey, we still have time to fix things that can help everyone. And so that's, that's my philosophy, which is, you know, convince people one person at a time. Yeah, and I think the, tougher, the toughest thing is this is about, you know, whether unto itself has, you know, a ridiculous amount of variables and day to day around the globe at any one specific place, something very unique happens, which is one of the things, one of the reasons why I became interested in meteorology as a, as a child. But the problem again to that is people will still see, let's, let's say we take all the steps to the extreme in terms of, of, of cleaning up the air and getting, out, get, getting the greenhouse gases out of here. But that doesn't mean there still wouldn't be floods occasionally or hurricanes occasionally or snowstorms occasionally or cold waves and heat waves. It's still gonna happen. And I think that's the hard part of making the cell. This isn't like saying, here's a pill, take this, you'll never get a cold again. No, you could maybe give them the pill and say, you'll probably get less colds if you take this. And I think that's kind of almost the concept of how to sell. That's always a hard sell though, dude. That's a hard sell. Yeah, you know what, uh, because I live now in a tropical part of the country that has a lot of hurricanes, mm. we cover hurricanes no matter where they're happening as though they're happening here in South Florida. But in the last three hurricane seasons, and I'm, I'm happy we're not in hurricane season right now, but it's obviously right around the corner on June 1st. Last three hurricane seasons, let's see, Texas had Harvey, which dumped more rain than any storm ever. Florence dumped more rain on the Carolinas than any storm ever. Dorian was the worst storm to ever hit the Bahamas. Michael was the worst storm to ever hit the Panhandle. Irma and Maria, at right. one point or another in their life, had set records in different ways before they ever hit land. Mm -hmm. So for people who live near water, I promise you their attitude the last five years has changed because it, we don't change the number of hurricanes we get with warmer water, but we certainly change how they behave. No, I mean, again, your point, and we started out early on in this conversation saying, unless people see it right in their face, and they are in those locations, uh, they're paying more attention to, to you know, what's going on. So let me, let me wrap it up here, but where could folks uh, locally, so now you're in Miami, uh, tell folks where they could see you, what shows you're on, what you're doing these days at uh, the NBC affiliate down there. It's NBC6, correct? 
Yeah, NBC6. Uh, obviously, you can go to NBC6 or NBC Miami website. Uh, actually, what's great is our entire team is now contributing in some way or another to the climate change stories. Uh, Angie Lastman and I do the bulk of that. So, you know, we'll do sometimes two, three, four pieces per week between us. Um, my social media is all Steve Mac NBC6. So if I, if I have a story, I'm going to post it there. If you want to go to my Twitter feed and add some nice comments to that one story, that would be nice. I'd like to read some lots of comments. Well, I mean, again, the facts are there. Uh, depends upon how people want to interpret and how they want to feel the people speaking about these facts, making unfortunate political connections to things that they don't agree with, meaning they might not even carry the way or, or have taken the time to really pay attention to what you, for example, are talking about. But if they're going to label you as a liberal, they're going to label you with all these other things that they don't agree with that have nothing to do with what we're talking. And that's unfortunate. That's the thing. That's the first step I think we have to do in separating, get the politics out of it as best as we can, while, as you also pointed out, unfortunately, you need political leaders to sort of set guidelines and the rules and regulations for it. So it really, it's a slippery slope. It, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a long haul, but appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, and I have a feeling you'll be back. I would change your backsplash, but you know, right now we'll talk about. It. But anyway, again, thanks so much for taking time, Steve. It was great catching up with you. Uh, I'll be in touch, uh, and I, and I hope you had a good. Time. I hope this wasn't too painful. Chris, this is actually an honor. Uh, I have thought you are one of the most talented people I've ever met at your job, and uh, you've always been a friend. So. I love that I can talk about, you know, an important topic with you. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, an honor. Who would have thought back, you know, we've no. known each other now for almost 25 years. I, I can't wait till the next time I can actually see you, shake your hand, give you a hug, and uh, maybe it won't be as windy down in, in South Florida next time I'm there. Come back. We're always open. You're always right. welcome here. You've got All a place right. to stay. Stay well. Talk to you soon. Be good. Right. Thanks. Well, there's a lot to think about after that interview, and there's a lot of sub-issues uh, besides the global warming concept in politics and how society responds and reacts to all of that. Uh, we've got a long way to go, but uh, again, one planet, I think we have to approach it uh, that way. It's not, this, this is not an issue that's about individuals. This is an issue yeah. about all of us, right? And again, I ask you, is, it, is, is this planet warm or is it just me? <laughs> well... <laughs> If yeah. you're smart, it is the planet, uh, but some people will think it's just them. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this is a very serious topic. Uh, but again, it, I just think it gets linked into, into this political football and suddenly people just shut their ears because it gets labeled with a bunch of other ideas that have nothing to do with it. But that's life. A couple of things I want to note uh, since we just talked with Steve, who's down in Miami. Steve McLaughlin is a, a meteorologist. What are the call letters of the station I would see him on, Chris? I, it's it's uh, NBC6. Uh, okay. I'm, gonna say, I'm, gonna, I'm going to say TVJ, but I hope that's it. I hope I didn't just uh, plug another station down there. But it's NBC6. Uh, and Steve also told us, you know, where we could find him and, and the websites that uh, that he's linked with. It's been an enlightening experience listening to Steve and, as always, chatting it up with you. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to hit on some different topics. Uh, things that aren't all COVID all the time. Uh, as you like to say, um, there's there was BC and AD. And what's what's the last one going to be, I guess? Uh, what are we going to call it? Uh, uh, BQ, before BQ. quarantine. Before, I can't wait until AQ, to be perfectly honest. AQ. I'm looking yeah. for AQ. Uh, the hell with BQ uh, at this point. That's How about BBQ? 
Ah, that'll come next. I could go for some of that. That'll work. Yeah, well, hopefully once we get past this little cold snap, uh, things will get warmer and, and probably stay that way for a while. I'm going to say be good, feel good, and, uh, and, and we'll punch out. All right, until next time, stay safe, stay healthy out there, do the right thing, and sunshine always. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, preferably five stars, no begging. Uh, we're available also on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com, that's B-L-E-A-V.com, and at Believe Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.